present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later. The poem Starmy proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and, and pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 179. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Um, technically, it's still evening, uh, but not long from now, it's going to become morning. <laughs> um, we uh, So we technically still will be recording Saturday morning. Uh, the email I sent out uh, said... Saturday morning, um, but uh, Joey got tired of the land party we were at, so he said, well, let's go home and record a podcast. Yeah, let's get this thing done, man. Um, so, which is odd because you seemed like you were doing well in the game. By the uh, way, by the way, we have, for those not letting, uh, who weren't at uh, our, <laughs> our office, uh, we were playing the game League of Legends. Yeah, and by we were playing, you mean everyone was playing but you. Uh, there might have been other people who weren't oh, okay. playing. Okay. Yeah, uh, I I was explaining to Curtis, uh, our friend, and who's been on the podcast before. Uh, for me, the experience of playing League of Legends is a forty-minute wandering from one terrifying moment to the next experience. I I never feel like I know what I'm doing. I am always scared in the game and it just it it builds so much stress for me because i'm just i'm clenched the entire time and those things run like 45 minutes yeah yeah they they can they the games can run long um you could play the game better more than just on the <laughs> land party nights you could uh, spend a little bit of time playing it getting better at it maybe the anxiety might uh, relax a little bit i just don't enjoy it enough even when i'm doing well mm-hmm to make it something I want to do in my free time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't uh, begrudge the, the free time argument because that's the reason I don't play it is because I don't know how and there are more interesting things for my time yeah. uh, than uh, than that. So anyway, I, I, it looks fun. I enjoy watching it. I know it just well enough to not be a complete hindrance to a team, I don't think. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm never, you know, winning... But I've been on the winning side, and I just tell them, "Look, I don't, I don't really know this game that well. I'm just going to do this one thing that I know how to do, and I'm going to do it as well as I can for as long as I can." Mm-hmm. And they're usually like, "Okay, yeah." Now in my mind, you're in that role, and I'm just going to do as much as I can to keep the enemies off of you. Because the thing I'm not good at is the player versus player stuff. Yeah, I do what's called pushing the lane, and I just keep doing that the whole game. And yeah, I I do okay at it, not great. Uh, I, you know, there was a moment tonight where I was informed that I had fled from someone who I could have uh-huh. handily defeated, but that's because that's what I do. I see another player coming, I run away. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I had fun. We had pizza, uh, but, uh, before we actually got into the, the computer playing, we actually did, um, some, some role playing, yeah. uh, which we haven't done in a number of years. Um, well, actually, maybe it hasn't been that long. I can't. I have no idea at this point how because long. Because I, I haven't had... The, I've had this house, I think, for three years. Okay. 
And we were playing here. Yeah, we were. So it, it, at least a year or two, uh, as as far Sounds as, as right. I'd put it. Um, but we played tonight, and it was a... I don't know what the name is called. Well, not the name of the campaign, but it was like... It was a pre-made a, a, module. Yeah, pre-made module. I was about to say stock um, sort of game. Uh, where the characters are already generated for you, the story yeah. is already written out. So as the DM is, you know, he's got everything in line. He doesn't have to go do any research yep. on his own, really, if he just sticks to the module. Um, and uh, we entered. You and I. You were the DM. I was a player. We had three other players who had never really done role playing before. Yeah. Um, and uh, as you had mentioned, it was actually fun to see them try and do things that normal players wouldn't ever even consider doing because they're just like, oh, the world is completely open to me. Well, this is what I just imagined I could potentially do. And they would do it. Um, so just to set the scene, to give a couple of examples, uh, we were playing uh, characters that were... Um, goblins. Goblins, thank you. And those goblins are very, very small. Um, pretty weak. It, yes. So we ended up coming across um, uh, a human that we had to fight, and then later on a horse that we had to fight. <laughs> um, and so the uh, I, I can't remember what Andy ended up doing. That I was just like, he. So on his character sheet, it said he could throw anything. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and so as you guys faced this human, he said, okay, I want to try. I want to throw him. I want to try throwing him. It Which, says here I can throw anything. A, a goblin is what, two feet? Yeah, really? Two, between two and three, yeah. Um, and so a human, obviously somewhere between five and six feet. Um, and so much, much larger. He goes to try and throw him and rolls like a ridiculously low score. Well, yeah, so, so I told him... You know, I, I'm a DM that I like to reward people thinking outside the box, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I said, okay, I will let you throw him, but first you have to lift him. Yeah, yeah. And so it was the which lifting is right. attempt that he rolled a natural one, <laughs> which in a role-playing game is pretty much the worst thing you can possibly do. And so I told him, you've just discovered you have a hernia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the next, uh, the next thing we fought was a horse. And again... A goblin, about two to three feet tall, very small, um, says, hey, you know, I want to jump onto a horse. Yeah. and In the middle of a fight. Yes, in the middle of a fight. And she had this potion, which allowed her to do so. Um, And I I just had to stop her and say, have you thought through what you're going to (laughs) do? Like, do you know when you get on the horse, which that's fine. Hey, great. I I love the attitude with with going for this. But do you have a plan for when you get there? Um, And uh, thankfully she did. She was like, well, I'm going to I'm going to poke it with my darts. Um, And, uh, you know, I. Hey, great. I just said, <laughs> I just want to make sure you know, like you have a plan, not just, hey, let's jump on a horse. That, that sounds like a good idea right now. <laughs> that seems like a terrible idea. Um, anyway, it turned out for, for the best. We we killed the horse, uh, which, by the way, for all of those horse lovers out there, um, it, was a, it was a ferocious looking horse. Yeah, it actually was a cannibalistic horse. Ooh, so he eats other horses. Yeah. So we did the world a favor. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was fun. It was enjoyable to to be.
be in that setting again. I wish Andy didn't have Kim there dragging him away so that he could continue on with the game more. Uh, but it we it was a time we had a time stop on it, yeah. so couldn't couldn't go much further. Um, okay, that was this evening. Anything you want to mention? Bring up? No, just that we had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, if you've never tried Dungeons and Dragons. This is a, a free thing that you can go download from paizo.com. I'll have Pete post the link that uh, you, you get five people together. It's best if maybe one of them has played before so that he can be the dungeon master or the game master. Yeah, someone who understands how the thing goes. But if not, I mean, yeah, it, not, it, no it, it's, it's all, you can learn all it. the rules are. Well, most of the rules are right there in the in the module. So, right. It's right. pretty handy. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and do Facebook Find of the Week. Okay. And uh, this week is going to go to Fishhead, um, who uh, I miss posting up a, a number of other, you know, cool stuff. Actually, no, we only really had the one this week. Um, Joey, care to guess which it is? You know, I saw a lot of things this week that I was seeing for the first time, yes. so I don't know actually. A lot of things this week that were posted up last yes. week. <laughs> um, so the one thing that was posted up this week you didn't look at. Oh, I did. I looked at all of them. I'm just not sure which of the things. So was this the uh, so you looked the at, dinosaur thing? Yes. Okay. Did it's you look supposed, at that? Yeah, I did. You didn't like it. And that I disapp- I, I'm okay. disappointed <laughs> because it just shows a lack of... Uh, of uh, taste yeah well you know uh, me. i i thought it was hilarious the <laughs> the premise is this this uh, uh husband and wife have these young kids and so they've convinced them that every november <laughs> their dinosaur toys come to life and so they take pictures of the dinosaurs doing various things um and it, the poses are and the stories that kind of go behind it are absolutely hilarious he even has some comments from the kids uh along with the the pictures it's absolutely hilarious so i Gene, thought the tom hiddleston thing was funnier wasn't that this week as well uh maybe yeah let's uh, from bob is on november 12th tuesday tuesday so yeah that that would have counted I have seen it before. Oh, okay. Um, so it didn't seem new to me, I and see. it was okay. Like it was all right. Um, uh, of the two, I thought it was the funnier one. So, congratulations, Fishhead, for uh, for submitting that. Uh, I got a great chuckle out of it. Um, now let's see here. Top five. Yes. Okay. Top five. I have got a couple of e- uh, people who emailed in. Okay. Uh, listener M. He says, hey, lords of television and podcasting, I look forward to hearing if the episode Razor resolves any of Joey's frustrations with the series. I also hope you plan on watching The Plan after the series wrap-up. You can borrow my copy of the DVD if you need to. I'm not sure that I had considered it. I don't know that I've even seen it. Um, As far as I'm concerned, when the series ends, it's over. Um, so I, it does wrap it all up in a nice neat bow. Um, yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) I like how you had to stop and think about whether you could answer that question. (laughs) Well, I, I just had to think about all of the different story tracks, you know? Uh, and I think it does. Um, he continues, I vote for you to go over Futurama sometime in the future. Okay. So another vote for Futurama. His list, top five sports to play uh number five street football 
street football. So not on grass, on hard gravel <laughs> or concrete or Black asphalt. Um, seems weird. I, I hope it's not tackle. <laughs> um, number four. I've never heard of this one before. British Bulldogs. Yeah, that's a new one. No clue. He he included a link over to a Wikipedia page um where you can or you can just look up British Bulldogs game. Um the uh the explanation is it's sort of like a variation of tag um where there's two teams and you're going around trying to tag all of the other teams and the person who's tagged last is basically the winner. Okay. I I only read, you know, pieces gotcha. as I glanced over the article, but anyway, uh number 3, dodgeball. Dodgeball. Which I love dodgeball. I'm I'm a pretty dang good at dodgeball, but <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> not ever since I dislocated my shoulder um and had it happen the second time, uh, throwing things with my arm not so great. Yeah. Uh, but I know how to dodge the ball incredibly well. Um, have I mentioned my dexterity score? I think I've I easily I think I'm a 14. I think I've got a 14 dexterity on a scale of 1 to 20. Feel like 14. Now, now do you solid. feel like you ha- ever Even had at like this age? I was going to say, do you ever feel like maybe you were at a 15 or a 16 and you Could have been. Oh yeah, could have been. Okay. Yeah. Uh number 2. Never heard of this. Ladder ball. Or, as my family calls it, redneck horseshoes. (laughs) Now, I have heard of this before. I haven't heard of that. I've never heard it called ladder ball. And, uh, Mark, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. But, essentially, what you have is you have this structure that has a top bar, middle bar, bottom bar. Okay. And each one is assigned a, a point value, essentially. And so you then take this is something my dad put together uh like he built it all himself so I I don't know I'm sure he was basing it off of something I I don't know if these this is the exact thing yeah, but sure. he drilled a hole through some golf balls so he has two golf balls okay holes drilled through them he ties a rope through the hole so essentially you've got a rope holding the the two golf balls together okay and so then you stand a distance back and you toss the golf ball okay. rope and trying kind to of, get it around. Kind of bolos a little bit. Yes. Um, which I, that's super fun. Loads of fun to do that. I, I, that's one of the games that uh, I, I play with my nephews and nieces or family when we, uh, when I go home because it is enjoyable. Uh, it's just easy, casual kind of gameplay. Okay. Um, so lots of fun. I would not have called that a sport, but why not? Why not? Number one, croquet. Really? Yes. I, you know, I played it once. I can't say I was ever in a hurry to play it again. I don't understand the game and I, uh, have just gotten confused because it seems like there wasn't much running around. No. So I got bored as a kid. Um, but here, here's what there was the one time I did play it uh-huh. that was enjoyable was when you bumped somebody's ball 
And if the balls were, I, I don't remember exactly what the rule is, but there's a point where if two balls are resting against each other, you can put your foot down on your ball and you whack your ball underneath your foot and it sends the other ball just rocketing out. And I remember like that was the thing you wanted to do because you could shoot the other person's mm. ball like into the house. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we right. broke the window. <laughs> It was a lot of fun to send those balls shooting around. Mm, I I, I'm, I'm confident we were doing it wrong. I think I was six or seven years old. Right, right. Okay. Um, he uh, concludes honorable mention uh, would be Buck Buck. <laughs> Apparently I don't do enough sports. <laughs> now this one, I'm uh, deeply ashamed that you don't know this one. He continues... That game sounds like a lot of fun the way Bill Cosby described it. Now, if you ever listen to the old Bill Cosby stand-up stuff, he talks, uh, he describes Buck Buck. I, I don't think I've heard that one. Um, and it is absolutely hilarious. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, anyway, Mark, good list, although I'm not sure why Croquet is on there. <laughs> it's fine that it is, just not sure why. Um, okay. Maybe he can bring his croquet set over next spring and show you why. Um, no. <laughs> I've seen it played enough. I, I don't think I'm ever going to get into this game. Okay. Uh, it's too reminiscent of golf, I think. Ah, uh, I see. But not a fan know. of golf? I'm okay. I'm just not good at it. Yeah. Okay. Listener Fishhead, uh, he says, I'm not any good at any of these. But here are my favorite sports to play. Number five, flag football. Apparently he doesn't like to get tackled, which I don't blame him. <laughs> Number, actually, in uh, we couldn't play tackle football. Um, it had to be two-hand touch or you know flag football in, in school. Um, but there were times when, let's be honest, the, the school lady... She she wasn't paying attention to us. It became tackle. It became tackle. <laughs> um, and there were a few times where we might have hurt each other. Matter of fact, I managed to tackle the big guy in our class once. And when I brought him down, he landed right on his butt. I think he broke his tailbone oh. <laughs> because he was sore for weeks after that. Um Anyway, whenever we thought the other teacher, like the teacher was finally paying attention, like noticing us, would be like, hey, peace, man, peace. Like everybody was shouting that across the field. And like see. that was our signal. Don't Start tackle the guy. <laughs> Start playing flag again. <laughs> um, which I, I don't know. We never, I don't think we ever got caught doing it. So I'm guessing that teacher must have been just really stupid, or she's like, "Nah, they're kids." Who I bet. Cares? I bet there was an element of, "Yeah, they're they're boys. Let's let them be wild with each other a little bit." Um, continuing on with the dean's list, number four, football or soccer. Okay. Um, fabulous choice. Number three, <laughs> volleyball. Volleyball, loads of fun. Number two, volleyball. Okay. Volleyball. Variation of volleyball. Volleyball. <laughs> volleyball. Not played with uh, Disney Pixar's Wall-E. <laughs> Not played with him. Although I suppose you could. Don't know that it would be very successful. Sounds like it'd be kind of painful. Uh, number one, Ultimate Frisbee. I did not know that Fish had liked Ultimate Frisbee. I've known him for years. Did not know he huh. was an Ultimate Frisbee fan. Um, Never he, played that one. 
Oh, it's loads of fun. It's. Uh, do you know how it's played? Uh, I know that it has to do with uh, frisbee, and there's a you can take like two steps, then you have to throw it or something along those lines. No, so the the it's a combination of frisbee, which is you know just two guys throwing a frisbee back and forth, which let's not call that a sport. Okay. Um, Hold on, I have to change my list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, there are goals. So you'll have a goal. It could be square, it could be circular, whatever. You're trying to get the guy, your team, to catch the Frisbee inside inside the the goal. You score a point. They're extended, the goals are extended far away from each other. So you have to go back and forth. And you can throw the Frisbee as far as you would like. And as long as your team member catches it, you can continue on, obviously. But once you catch it, you have to stop. You can't, oh, you continue can't take any steps running. at all. Well, if you're in mid sprint, obviously, you know, you can't come to an immediate stop. I see. So most people, there's a continuation on, but they take a few steps back. It's a gentleman's rule kind okay. of thing. Um, but the, the idea is that uh, then you stop. You can take one step, so like you know, you have a plant foot, so to speak, and you gotcha. you know step out one way or the other to to make your pass to continue on and score the goal. Loads of fun. I, I do it. Um, I've played it with a, a a group of friends for uh, for a few years now. Isn't that how you dislocated your, your shoulder? It is. Yeah, that that is how I dislocated my shoulder. Um, so I'm a little more cautious about things now. Um. Yeah, but uh, fun. It's very fun. He finishes, you are welcome for listening. You say thank you for listening. Or welcome. Yes, I guess. Just good manners. <laughs> Nothing wrong with good manners, Fishhead. He actually he included a YouTube link, which I have not looked at yet. Okay. So, anyway. Uh, Dean, good list. Thank you very much for sending it in. And that's all for now. Um, Didn't you say three people? Yes, I did. That other person did not include oh, a see. top five list. So three people wrote in, but not all of them had a top five. Got Correct, it. yes. Do you want to go? Yeah, let, let's do that. Uh, so my number five, uh, this is probably going to be a deep cultural reference for a lot of people, but it's Ward Basketball. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here in here in the state of Utah... In the Mormon culture, there's a, a strong trend of playing basketball among the different congregations, what we call a ward. And where I grew up, it became a very dirty sport. It was No, no, no. no. That's not where you grew up. That's everywhere the okay. ward basketball okay. is played. I've been told there are places where it's all very on the up and up and everyone's... <laughs> It's not. It was not my experience. <laughs> it's not most people's experience. Uh, it 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 got pretty violent and it got pretty angry and pretty yep. heated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, as a as a young man with very little coordination and no basketball talent to speak of, uh, I was put in the game generally to injure other players. That was my instruction: was go out on the court and find that guy right there and injure him. <laughs> in hockey, we call that the enforcer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds about right. Uh, but I did enjoy what little of it I actually got to play. I also, this is a game that when my wife and I first got married, we would play together until I got sick of losing. 
because my wife is a three-time state champion basketball player. High yeah, sc- high school. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, there is a bit of um, folklore surrounding, you know, word basketball. Okay. Um, there was a, a Hulk Hogan. The wrestler okay. was on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and he was asked, "You know, hey, what's the what's the toughest or meanest sport that you've ever played?" And his response was Mormon basketball, <laughs> because it is so vicious. Um, anyway, I have never I I feel like I have a memory of that happening, but I don't know for a fact. But you could know, just that's, be an urban legend. That's the story. Okay, my number four. Pete, you're probably going to take issue with this. me calling this a sport. Chess. Yes, I would take issue with that. Uh, the It is considered a sport by many organizations around the world, and so I'm listing it. Okay. Uh, I, I, I enjoy it. I'm moderately good at it. I'm not great by any means. Uh, I was never ranked or anything like that, but I have fun. Uh, one of my favorite things to do when I very first got married was to go to downtown Salt Lake city. They have a chess board. It's, I think it's marble. It's just like built into the street down by the, uh, by a bookstore. And I would just take a chess board down or a chess set and then set it up and I'd sit there and wait for somebody to come up and sit across from me and play me chess. I always had fun at it. Number three is racquetball. Mm-hmm. Enjoy playing this. Uh, again, probably not actually any good at it, but, Enjoyed it enough not to care. That you I was sure terrible. ran around a lot. <laughs> that was the part that I was enjoying, so I did it, even though it's probably poor strategy. Uh, number two. Now I didn't know that this was the sport I was playing, but when I went to when I was going to school during gym, this was always my favorite sport that we got to play: Gaelic football. So I didn't know. Interesting. I, I when you know when we were in school, they would call it speed. But then I watched, I happened to be flipping through the TV one day, saw some people playing Gaelic football and said, I know all of these rules. This is the game that I grew up calling speed. It was absolutely Gaelic football. It's a lot of fun. I have no idea what it is. Oh, really? Not heard it, it by either name. It's kind of like rugby a little bit. Uh, you, you should check it out. There's some, there's videos online of people doing it, YouTube and stuff like that. It's kind of fun to watch and it's funner to play, even more fun to play. My number one, now, I never officially got to play this sport, football, American Rules football. Um, it's the only sport I ever wanted to play in in high school. My parents wouldn't allow it, and so what I would do is I would hang around the football field, and when they needed an extra guy for a blocking drill or whatever, I would go in without pads, and I would play with them. And I actually held my own without pads. Because I wanted to, I wanted to be out there, I think, a lot more than some of the other kids who were just doing it for, you know, the, the you know it's the glory sport, right? But I really wanted to be out there on the field and playing it. Super enjoyed it. The, uh, Even as a kid, like you didn't play it in elementary school, like no. just during recess? Well, we played flag football. But to me, that's a very different sport than tackle football. Uh, okay. Uh, because the thing I really enjoyed playing the most was on the defensive line. And in flag football, there's not much for a defensive lineman to do. No, so it's typically not defensive lineman at all. Yeah. It's basically a quarterback and, and like everybody else spy. runs yeah. uh, out to catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, 
so the the thing that I enjoyed doing in football wasn't really even in flag football. So I I just loved getting in there, down in that mix and forcing my will upon the other man, getting to the quarterback before he get the ball out of his hands. Um, the the uh, the best memory I have of that time playing football was I actually think I was in ninth grade at the time and I was hanging out at the high school and there was a senior and I remember the guy had to be six feet tall and pretty stocky build for a high school student. And, uh, he was coming down the field. I, at this point I I had actually been set up as a linebacker. So I'm a little bit off the ball and it was a handoff and they hand it to him. And I saw him come and I thought, okay, there's no way on earth I win this battle straight up. But I noticed the way he took his strides and I decided I'm just going to fling myself between his legs. Mm. And so as his rear leg came forward, he hit my body and it pinwheeled me right off the field. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I actually physically flew through the air from the force of him kicking me like that. I totally could believe that had happened. (laughs) Yeah, it hurt. So bad, but I got up and and he was tackled and everyone was cheering <laughs> that I had tackled this huge man. <laughs> it was it felt fantastic. Yeah, after freshman year, I said, "Yep, I'm not playing this anymore." <laughs> I was I I I was not big. I didn't really grow up until <laughs> I got older. Just <laughs> scrawny little kid. Um. All right. So my list. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple of honorable mentions because I love, uh, I love sports so much. Um, it's a form of hockey, um, a tonsil hockey. I don't know. Could we call that a sport? <laughs> no. Have you ever actually no. played that Pete? No, no. <laughs> um, the, my second honorable mention is the sock game, the sock game. I don't know Which, that one. uh, no, you wouldn't. Um, not being one of my nephews or nieces, okay. uh, or a couple of my friends from back home, it it consisted of a dirty sock and uh, trying to jam it into the other person's mouth. <laughs> okay, I, I play that game with Beth, <laughs> <laughs> and and occasionally when they wouldn't want to let their open their teeth up, then you start rubbing the sock all over the teeth. <laughs> it's it's not a pleasant thing, and you, you really want to be the stronger person in that contest. <laughs> I, I always like to start pushing it up her nose when she won't open her mouth. <laughs> um, the, so n- my number five is wiffle ball. Um, really? Can't stand baseball and softball. Just not interested in them in the slightest. But wiffle ball is a lot of fun. Uh, because it's usually pretty small, and uh, I played it with uh, my nephews and nieces, my brother. The fondest memories do- of doing that okay. as a kid. Loads of fun. Um, number four is racquetball, uh, also, uh, because it's a lot of fun. It's great exercise and... Uh, and Highly it, entertaining watching yeah. me run around <laughs> chasing yes. that blue ball. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely you. Um, number three is going to go to ultimate Frisbee. I do enjoy playing that so much. It's very similar to football. A lot of, you know, similar strategies kind of come into play with it. Um, and, uh, it is, it's reasonable exercise. You're running around the whole time, but you don't think of it as running because, you know, there's this Frisbee that you're, you're having to take care of. Um, number two is going to go to football, uh, because I absolutely, I've loved it since I was a kid. 
um, the uh, uh, going home and playing catch with dad, you know, when he would get home. Um, it is so much fun. Love playing almost every position. Um, and uh, I, I will love it till the end of my days. Okay. Number one, though, is soccer. Um, I have also played that since I was a kid. I've been very successful at it. Can play any position. Um, you know, I've managed my own teams for years. It is, without a doubt, just phenomenal for me to play. I get why people don't like to play it, but it works for me, and uh, I've been so happy with it my whole life. Great. Um, now, I do have an email I want to read before we go into Joey's Culture Corner. Okay. Um, and this is from a Brainy Smurf. Oh, Brainy. Good to hear from you, buddy. He says, hey, dudes, I'm glad you are finally getting around to Razor. I will be interested to hear of what you think of Michael Taylor's writing so far, if there are thoughts to be had. I don't have much time for contribution at the moment, but let me just say that Joey's perpetual consternation is great fun. (laughs) In watching BSG the first time, I never felt half as frustrated as our dear overlord has demonstrated thus far. This is mostly because of the fact that I listened to Ron Moore's commentary as I progressed through the series. It is endlessly hilarious to me that 90% of Joey's frustration could be easily alleviated through Ron Moore's real-time perspective of the episodes as they are aired. Joey, are you avoiding the explanatory podcast commentaries because you enjoy self-imposed hurdles? (laughs) Or are you just so dedicated to the podcast that you are purposefully avoiding the reservoir of answers that Ron Moore provides to further entertain us? Let me answer this. Okay. I told Joey that he couldn't. Yes. He's not allowed because it might hint at what might happen. And because I am dedicated to the podcast, I'm following Pete's instructions on right. this. I, I know how entertaining it is to hear me frustrated. <laughs> um, either way, great job. I can provide a mini nook this week in the form of a question. How much Trek have you dudes seen? Uh, a lot of it, most of it. Uh, the, the original series he's asking here, or he says Trek. Okay, so I've seen obviously all of the Next Generation many times. Uh, I watched, I think, two or three seasons of DS Nine, hit and miss. Not every every single episode. Never watched any Voyager. Never watched any Enterprise. Uh, and, and the original series, I've only seen. Like, when it comes up on marathons, I'll tune in and watch it, but I haven't ever actually sat down and watched my way through the original series. Okay. So I'm, I've watched much, much more Trek than you. All of TNG. Uh, I want to say probably 90 to 95% of all of DS9. Um, most of Voyager, probably, I would say, 60 to 75% of Voyager. Um, Enterprise, I tried really, really hard. I wanted to but just really couldn't get it. The character of T'Pol, they tried to turn into this, oh, she's so sexy. Yeah, let's... Now, even that (laughs) couldn't get me interested. Um, And then the original series, I have seen 
a number of episodes, not all the way through. I don't even think I've seen a full slate of of like one season. So if I add up all of the episodes that I ever have seen, I don't think it even comes close to a single episode, uh, single season. Um, so, question answered. He continues. It is part of your podcast namesake, as Ron Moore obviously came from DS9 and TNG, I should add. One can enhance the perspective of how he approached BSG with respect to his previous series. I think it's fascinating to analyze how TNG spawned two very different progeny, DS9 and Voyager. There was also Enterprise with that intro song. And before you go ripping on Voyager because of its crappy first season... By the way, it's not just the first season that's crappy. <laughs> Several others that follow it. Um, uh, I, that's, that's, ter- that's terribly mean because um, JD does his podcast on Voyager and he loves it. <laughs> he he loves Voyager. I remember we were on yeah. his, his podcast. Um, so I sorry, I don't mean to be totally mean, but I didn't like it very much. <laughs> um is it just because you don't like Janeway? <laughs> no, it's oh. the writing was just okay. bad. Neelix, Kess. I remember Neelix. Ensign Kim. Kess. Terrible. Just terrible. Um, he ends, I remind you that except for the original series, every Trek series had an awful first season. I will return with my thoughts and comments on the matter next week. Yay for the Overlord's Ambassador, Brainy Smurf. Uh, Brainy, thanks very much for taking the time to uh, to email in. It's always, always good to hear from you. Um, okay, Joey, uh, what is Joey's Culture Corner? Uh, this week it's going to be the project Star Trek Continues. Actually, I had something else planned, but after Brainy's uh, mini nook there, I changed it up, rolling with the punches here. Uh, this is a a fan created TV show where they they want to finish off the the original two years planned for, or the two of the two remaining years of the original five year plan for Star Trek the original series. Um, so they've they've cast it, they've recreated many of the sets. I think that these guys are doing a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's clearly. Uh, an absolute labor of love for everyone involved. The, the set design to me is the one, the thing that just blows my mind because again, not the biggest original series fan, but for me, it very much looked right. Looked like they'd gotten a lot of the aspects of the, of the set design. Correct. Um, there's only one episode right now that I know of. You can watch it on YouTube and then they have done a Kickstarter to try and create some more episodes and, and really get this thing going. You mentioned this to me before, and uh, it made me curious. How is um, the, uh, uh, um, oh, crap, the Paramount? How are, they can't be okay with They this. actually are. They have given it their official blessing. Really? Yeah. That uh, That surprises me. That they would allow, I don't want to say a no-name, but basically a kind of, I guess, no-name, kind of come through and and touch this thing 
especially since they have the movies, the two movies that are the original series that are out there, that they would be okay with this other group kind of going in a different lane. That's surprising. It it is. It is unusual. You know, you don't. You you don't. We don't find a lot of that. What I would call enlightenment Uh in in the production television production, but they've they've kind of just said. You know, you're not doing anything that harms our brand. You guys have done a fantastic job here. Go ahead. Uh, anyway, I so I watched the the one episode they put together. I give it a thumb up. I I really enjoyed it. Uh, apparently, it's actually a reference to an original series episode. So there's there's an episode of the original series somewhere where there's a guy named Apollo, and he's like a super powerful godlike being that the Enterprise comes in contact with. I think I remember that episode. Okay, they got that same actor to come back, the guy who played Apollo, and he's playing the old man version of Apollo now. Okay. Uh, so he's supposed to be some kind of immortal being, but something has gone wrong, and now he's starting to age. And and they've cast the same actor, and I'm like, fabulous. That, yeah, that's that's just the att- the attention to detail that it took for someone to go, hey, we can get this guy. And, and let's write a, pl- a plot around that. Mm. I think it was incredibly well done. Moving on to episodes, we are going to cover episode Razor. <laughs> Which I'm curious how you're going to do that. <laughs> really isn't, uh, I mean, it's kind of like a little mini movie. It's in between season three and season four is when it was broadcast. We take a break from the continuity to get some information about the Pegasus through the introduction of a new crazy sad sack female, Lieutenant Kendra Shaw. Now, this is, uh, as as we mentioned, it, it's telling the story of the Pegasus and how it came to be when it, once it finally met up with Galactica and the choices that were made by its admiral and crew um, as they dealt with uh, their own survival. And um, the the dark lane that they ended up choosing to go down. Um, so we get to see Admiral Kane again and some of the old characters. Yeah. Um, Fisk. And uh, I, I thought, once again, Ensign Rowe did a great job <laughs> of acting. She did very, very well. Um, I like this episode. Or I like Razor. I think there are some incredibly cheesy and eye-rolling moments, but still, I like it. I'm a fan of it. Okay. Now, it starts out with, uh, you know, we get a little a rehash because, again, this is between yes. season three and four, so it's going to catch us up because, again, we've already seen the Pegasus that was, you know, it's over and done with now, so... Um, you know, we needed to be refreshed on, on who those characters were. Um, and, uh, we're, we're brought into, we get to see two different things. What is the current timeline of the Pegasus with Lee taking over and looking back on the timeline of the Pegasus from when the attacks happen all the way up. Um, to, you know, filling us in with all of the other stuff that happens. Catching back up to now. Right. So um, we see this person who looks like she's one of the cooks down in the galley. 
And uh, we're come to find out this is Lieutenant Kendra Shaw, although she's not a lieutenant at this point, I don't believe, because she's a cook. Um, and uh, she is shooting up. She's got some yeah, drugs. She's got something in a needle there. And, uh, you know, she's got some, uh, some. I don't know why I wrote bad memories um, here. But, you know, she doesn't seem like a very happy person. No, life clearly isn't going well for her. Um, now, we jump back in time and we see the Pegasus as it is in the shipyard. Just recently docked, you know, all of the crew's going to be, hey, we get a little bit of time off. Um, you know, the, the Admiral is there and, you know, hey, yeah, I don't really want to take any time off, blah, blah, blah. Um, we see six. number six. Gina. Gina, who is a civilian contractor who's working on the upgrade to their systems. And uh, her last name is Old Geminese for Resurrection. Oh, really? That's right. That's right. Cute little thing they threw in there. I don't remember what the name was. Invier or in, 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 in very Invier, something like that. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we're up on the bridge and we see Admiral Kane is, you know, she's a no-nonsense woman. But more than that, she's kind of an a-hole. <laughs> I wrote the same thing. <laughs> Not only is she an a-hole, she's proud of herself for how much of an a-hole she yeah, is. Yeah, and she kind of shows off to everybody yeah. else up there on the bridge because this new lieutenant, Kendra Shaw, shows up. She didn't know her way around the ship. First time being on it, and she apparently took too long in order to get there than what the Admiral felt. Um, and in my opinion... Kane is mean for the sake of being mean. Yeah, she's a bully. And, you know, it, I think it really just comes down to she does it because she can. And there's nothing, no one else is going to really stand yeah. up to her. That's the Admiral. Uh, because I run a tight ship and this is the way I do things. So you're going to take it and get under control, which I think is a load of crap. Now, you mentioned Kane being practical. But there's something in this scene that wait, it, it just now I called her practical. Yeah, she said you said she's practical, but she's an a hole. I don't remember the practical part. <laughs> you did. Uh, I have a recorded record. We're gonna always play it back. Um, but there, there's something here on the CIC of the Pegasus that I don't remember ever noticing before. But it really bugged me throughout the course of this episode. And it's these glass doors that rotate every time someone wants to enter or leave the CIC. They seem to be semi-motion activated. You don't remember those? I don't. I never noticed those in the series proper. They were. It's incredibly. Like I just kept thinking. It seems that poor is the design. Dumbest thing yeah. ever. Who thought that up? <laughs> it does seem poor design. I I would agree with you. Uh, but they were there. Uh, they they okay. absolutely were there. Um, okay, so anyway, don't be mean to people just because you can, just because you're in charge of stuff. It, that's not that's not a good way to lead your your team. Really, really, really bad. Uh, let's see here. Boom! There's an explosion. Yeah, and uh, you know, rocks everybody's world. 
Coming to find out, this is the Cylon attack yep. that's happening. And, uh, you know, Cylons are everywhere. Uh, it's chaotic. People are dying all over the place. The Admiral says, get us out of here. And, you know, spool up the FTL. Just, just jump. jump. And, you know, the lieutenant says, hey, we can't jump. We don't we, we don't have a solution put in place here of where we're supposed to go. And she says, D- just jump. And she's like, yes, but we could go into the sun. Really? Or we could just get blown up here. <laughs> jump, you idiot. <laughs> and so they jump. Clearly it works for them. They manage to jump away and uh, get, get to safety and, and start to regroup. Um, the, uh, the big battle scenes here of the Cylons attacking the, this shipyard, I, I really liked. I, I enjoyed the, the visual aspect of, of all of that stuff. I thought it was good, but it's not my favorite visual aspect of this episode. Okay. I just thought it was cool, all of the stuff that's flying around getting blowed up. That's all. <laughs> okay. Um, we, we come back to the present of mm-hmm. Lee asking Shaw to be his XO. Yes. And uh, I just thought that he, he had a line in there that I, I found interesting. I don't necessarily have anything to say about it other than to point it out, which was, I need to give the crew the perception that I respect Kane's legacy, even though I don't. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just thought, you know, that's a, it's a tough tightrope to walk as a commanding officer. I, I, I get why he feels he has to do that. Don't envy the position at all. Not at all, uh, and and I th- I feel like he's probably right here because keep in mind Kane kept all of these people alive. Yeah, the you know she did a terrible terrible set of things to a bunch of other people in order to do so, but still she managed to keep these people alive, and so there's got to be some sort of loyalty to that, and and you have to keep it in mind. So, uh, let's see here. Oh we- yes, quote. She's meaner than Saul Tai, yeah. uh, as uh, Adama noti- uh, notes that to uh, to leave, which he's like, I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> uh, but sure enough, she is. She's uh, tough. Um, there is a missing raptor. And so Adama has given Lee the, the job of going after this, but he's going to come along with them. Okay, fine. Sure. Um. Let's see here. He doesn't go along with them yet. On the raptor mission? On the mission to go search for the missing raptor ship? Yeah. He does. There, there's two missions to go look for the ship, right? There's the one, there's like the exploratory mission. Was there they, an exploratory one? Yeah. I must have missed they, that. It's when they first encountered all the Cylons and Kara almost gets killed. They turn around, they go back to Galactica, and that's the point at which Adama Yeah, but Galactica... Uh, no, they went back to Pegasus because Pegasus was right there. They weren't in... The the Vipers can't... No, 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 no. So the, the Pegasus jumps away from Galactica on the search and rescue mission. They send out the... They have Showboat and Starbuck out looking for this ship. They get attacked by some Cylons... Showboat and Starbuck flee back to the Pegasus, and then the Pegasus jumps back to where Galactica is and says, okay, what are we supposed to do? Because the instructions that Lee had was, mm, don't get mm, in a fight that right, you can't win. Right, right, yeah. Good, uh, yeah, good memory to that. Um, let's see here. We do jump back here, 
And we see that the Admiral Kane seems sad a little bit. Um, she seems like she's caring, but really she's just angry. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the, the question is, what do we do? You know, how are we going to deal with this? We've just been attacked. How, what, what's going to happen? And her, her response is basically, let's go kill the silence. We're going to go get revenge. We're going to go get payback. Um, and then she turns to her people who were there in the room with her. And she's like, don't worry, guys. I'm not going to put anybody in wink, harm's wink. way. <laughs> um, you know, uh, she has she has this affectation of waving this pocket knife around all the time. Yes. It's kind of annoying. Yep. Seemed impractical. <laughs> That's one of the things that I find a little cheesy. It's a little okay. over the top with the the whole razor thing. The metaphor that they they use of the razor, you know, at towards the very end. Yeah. I I like. I just don't think you necessarily need to have that to physical that evidence of that razor that had been used, which really wasn't a razor. It was, it was a, a knife. pocket knife. Yeah, it was just a buck knife. Um. Anyway, okay. Glad we agree on that. Um, so we have this this opulent setting where the Admiral is entertaining all of her top staff. And guess who shows up but Gina. And she shares a familiar kiss. Yep, they appear to be lovers. <laughs> yes, uh, with, uh, with the Admiral. Um, and uh, because of this, the Lieutenant ends up making a decision to give her codes to the computer to Gina. Yeah. Which then allows Gina, of course, to be able to upload the virus and complete her mission um, as uh, they eventually, you know, set them up for, for something. So here's one of the moments that I suspect was probably one of the eye roll moments for you is when Gina says, after all, we're all just human. And I can't remember what it does, but the music kind of gives you the dun-dun-dun kind of moment. It was way overplayed. Not something something I usually find myself knocking in Battlestar Galactica. The music has usually been very subtle and very well done. Very ham-handed music note, in my opinion, in that scene. Uh, I don't have any memory or it doesn't, it it didn't didn't bug me. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that bothered me. Um, so we see that, uh, Starbuck runs into the new enemies, um, and, or the uh, old enemies. Yes. Um, and, uh, she, they're flying back to the Pegasus and they end up getting fired on by the Pegasus because the XO orders it. She says, Hey, change the firing solution so that it's much closer. And essentially the, the raft, the, the Vipers are now flying in between these, yeah. these, uh, shots and they end up, you know, they they Works make out. it in there. They um, although um, w- one of the Cylon ships is kind of destroyed, not destroyed, but is hit, and it crashes along. Uh, no, it makes it. Yeah, through. it made it into the landing Starbuck base. Starbuck shot it. it down. Starbuck shoots it, um, and uh, Starbuck is obviously ticked off by this because she knows what the the Pegasus did. And she thinks that the XO is a loose cannon, um, uh, which is the pot calling the kettle black, <laughs> if ever there was. Yes. Um, and she says, uh, the uh, lieutenant uh, or XO Kendra says to Starbuck, don't 
question orders. And we, we come back into a scene where, when we heard about this before, the Admiral, Admiral Kane, had shot her XO. Yeah. Had killed him for not following an order. And we come to find out that this order really should not have been followed. <laughs> so, we, as we mentioned, Gina uploaded the the virus or whatever it is into the system. They see this ship that's like, oh, we could totally go in and destroy this thing. Well, come to find out they know they're coming. No, it's actually it's a staging point. So the the Cylon army is just the Cylon fleet is on its way from point A to point B. It stops here in between and they happen to attack right as the Cylon fleet is getting there for its staging point. Okay. Yes, that's one way to look at it or Gina helped to collaborate okay. and make sure that they were going to be there because all they ever saw was, hey, there's just the one ship. No big deal. As soon as they show up, oh my gosh, all hell breaks loose and they're suddenly fighting this massive fleet. And the XO is rightly saying, okay, we've got to recall our birds. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Like and you promised us you would do. Yes. The Admiral says, no, are you not following my order? Give me your sidearm. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there. If anyone's ever asking you for their for your sidearm, don't give it to them. That is not going to end well for you. I don't know what you do, but don't hand over your weapon. You heard it, folks. When you're robbing that bank and the police say, throw down your weapon, just remember, Peter Nash told you not to. That's right. If, uh, <laughs> if you don't want to be... Uh, uh, a shot by Admiral Kane. Keep your weapon and the cash. The the XO oddly follows this order, hands over the gun. She has no hesitation in pulling the trigger and shooting him right in the head. Dead. So I can understand from one perspective how perhaps the XO thought that was the right thing to do to hand it over. I think on some level. Because we get the yeah, impression clear, that they're personal friends. Clearly, he still trusted her. Right. He thought yeah. he thought yeah. she won't do it. You know, she, it's just a show of strength. I'm going to call her bluff here. Unfortunately, she wasn't bluffing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he lost. Um, anyway, everybody else is just absolutely stunned, and she turns to Colonel Fisk and says, "Colonel, you're now my XO." Will you follow my order? And the answer to that question is most obviously going to be yes. yes. Yeah. With the killer admiral still holding the smoking gun. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, sure. Yep, uh, launch all the rest of the Vipers, please. Uh, let's let's go get these guys. Obviously, though, they, they survive the encounter. They do. Uh, although they had heavy yes, losses. Severely depleted. Um, and it ended up, you know, putting them in a terrible position because all of a sudden they don't have the supplies that they need, uh, to be able to continue on. Um, and let's see. Here. It is in this encounter that, uh, Shaw. Yes. Sees a six, kills it right in front of conveniently. Yep. A, a security camera heads back up to the the CIC where she had just sent Gina says, Hey, pull up the security feed. And then things really get crazy here on, on the, 
on the CIC. And I, the, this was the only, maybe not the only, this was one of the few things in this episode that I really enjoyed was getting an understanding of how Gina came to be in that state that she was in. Right. Uh, and because did, did you get a sense that she actually cared. had feelings yes, for? I did. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it makes sense why she was as vindictive as she was, why she was so broken. And it wasn't just what Thorne did to her. Granted, that had a lot to do with yeah. it. Yeah. But the, I think that she really did love Kane. And that broke her as much as anything Thorne did to her. Right. In the same way that the other six loved Gaius, Gaius. Baltar. Yep. Um, and so clearly uh, the sixes need to be boxed. The sixes need to be boxed, <laughs> huh? They're broken. They're flawed. Or maybe that's the part of their programming. Yeah. That's the evolution, right? That's what they were seeking. So uh, let's see. Uh, come to find out. I don't remember how, but they do. Um, the Guardian Cylons, yeah, so who are talking these to old Athena. style, um, they are seeking a way to become real boys. Yes. <laughs> sure. Let's call it that. It's the Pinocchio uh, syndrome. Um, and here's where probably the biggest for me is eye roll is. Really? Once again... Uh, you know, uh, Adama is the one who's you know put right into the middle of this crucial oh, piece. I see. It's him who's who's there, and he was the one who who found this uh, um, the beginnings of the hybrid system. Now, I was really confused by that because they were not calling him Bill. They were not calling him Adama. They were calling him something else. Was Oscar. that his call sign? I don't know. But it, they were calling him Oscar. Oscar. Okay. So I don't know if that's a middle name. I don't know if that's his call sign. I have no okay. idea. But so I, I noticed like, the same thing. I got confused. I'm like, wait, is that supposed to be Adama? Or is he just saying, yeah, I was around and there was this other guy, Oscar, that's down there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think that is actually supposed to be Adama. Um, anyway, he saw the beginnings of the hybrid system. And he also found those other human beings uh, that were being experimented on. Yeah. And so, you know, he's starting to, to chase after this the ship that, you know, he gets outside and he's like trying to call it in and say, hey, you guys need to go get this thing. And he says, no, 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 the war is over. It, we, we just signed an armistice. Everything's done. And that's like, you know, Bill Adama's finally putting the pieces together like, oh, my gosh. We, if we would have just destroyed them right then and there, you know, we could have prevented this whole thing. Which is, ugh. There's no reason to believe that. I, I, it's just so silly. It is absolutely silly that one, you know, it, that's so perfect, and two, it has to be Bill Adama <laughs> who who was the one who dealt with this. Why not? Hey, I heard this story from a guy I was with sure. in my squ- squadron. That would have been more plausible for me than, oh, it's Bill Adama again, you know? Yeah. I So, I, I, you know, I mentioned there are several several things that I did enjoy about this episode. Seeing those old model Cylons and yeah. the old model Raiders, 
that was fun. It was. I really enjoyed that. And hearing that that it, voice. The Man, voice. I remember when I was a kid, that was so terrifying. It's just creepy. And it kind of gave me a little chill hearing it again. I, I, I'm so glad that they did that part of it. The nostalgia factor was through the roof. Yeah. All, all because of, of that stuff. And I thought uh, while the current um, chrome toasters that they have are like eerie, creepy, like disturbing, these are just as still creepy yeah. and scary. So, um, yeah. All right. Um, let's see. I've got to find my notes again. So they're planning a search and rescue mission. Um, which is you know, what you helped me remember there earlier on. Um, and we come to find out that the president has some information about Kendra Shaw, about how she uh, she apparently took part in this thing that happened aboard the Scylla. ship called Scylla, um, which is where um, the, the, the Pegasus crew had oh, okay. gone and had said, hey, you know what? We need this person, this person, this person, and oh, we're taking all of these supplies. and Including the, your FTL drives. Yeah, including the <laughs> FTL drives. <laughs> Thanks, Pegasus. Um, which, you know, we, you know, this is where the uh, they shoot civilians to help carry the point home. You know, you come with us, you know, the, or we're going to start shooting your family. Um Here's the part about this whole encounter that doesn't make any sense, and it's never added up for me. They they just lost eight hundred people in a firefight. Why sure. not? Why not take a bunch more? Yeah. yeah, aren't aren't your odds better the more people you have? Even if that guy is terrible at whatever job you give him, surely there's something you can have him do that having even a terrible job of it done is better than having it not done at all. Right. Uh, I agree with you on that. The my only defense might be that we don't know how many, how many people they were taking, which it doesn't seem like yeah, they were. Like there may be a couple hundred there. <laughs> their stores, right? Right. I, I'm I'm with you on that uh, completely. Um, okay, so Gina, we see her locked up, and we see that uh, Lieutenant Thorne is brought back in. He still looks creepy and gross <laughs> um and he's told by uh the admiral you know use pain degradation fear shame if they can feel all of these other human emotions then you know what i bet they can feel all of these as well and basically without saying do whatever you want to her she said do whatever you want to her and picked the guy who was completely comfortable Doing, doing those things, yeah. Uh, um, let's see here. 15 civilian ships found, uh, and they're going to strip them down. Quote, the military needs must take priority. Another quote. Shoot the families. Why are you still dealing with this? Another quote um, after that. Uh, oh, yeah, shoot the families. There won't be any more resistance after you do that. Um, really just some screwed up stuff. Yeah, she's obviously fundamentally broken. This is where Aliyah Dama would have come through and said, no, I'm not going to carry this order out. But Gutless Fisk says, okay, I don't want to get shot. 
I'll do it. Fine. But this this is the order we're going to carry this well, through. E- actually, even Fisk doesn't have the guts to carry this through right here. It's Shaw. Well, yes. As far as carrying the the order through of shooting the families, yes, Shaw is the one who takes the shot. But still, Fisk doesn't do the Lee thing. Sure. He does not yeah. do the Lee thing, and that's what he should be doing as the the one who is in charge. Or you know, uh, um, the, the I, I think Lee we should person. start referring to that as pulling an Apollo. Pulling an Apollo. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, so Starbuck managed to find uh, the lieutenant in the midst of shooting up. Okay, and... Actually, hold on. Before you go to that. Okay. What do you want to say? I, I wanted to ask you. You're in. You're one of the Marines in with uh, Shaw and Fisk. Do you join the firefight? No. Okay. You're one of the civilians there on the ship. Do you resist the military? Um, I, I mean, we saw them doing everything that they could, which was they started throwing. I'm saying do bits you, and pieces. W- at would, them. would you would you stand up or would you just capitulate? I I think most likely I would have ended up capitulating. Okay, I mean because the it's clear where the might and the power is, and clearly fighting against that with what was what we saw there. It would be a slaughter. Yeah. There, you know, just. I I just, as I watched the episode. I'd rather, for t- I'd myself, rather take my chances, you know, living even, you know, without FTL drive. Okay. I, I don't know that I can really say either party. It's one of these situations where I'm like, okay, yes, it sucks that they're in it. I don't know that I, I do anything different if I'm in either group. I think if I'm in the military, I understand that perspective of, you know what? Winning the war is the most important thing. We're going to go ahead and take whatever we need, and I'm sorry that that's going to inconvenience you. And if we have to do it by force, we're going to do it by force. From the other side, if I'm the civilian and you're coming to take my things by force, I resist. And yes, you probably are going to have to shoot me to get that Mm -hmm. thing. And so it's a tough scenario, but I, I don't see how... For myself, on either side of the, of the situation, I could have done any differently than what the characters in the episode did. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I I just don't see how, in that scenario, fighting would do any good. It would just be more dead people. Yeah, including no, myself, right. and and the preservation of myself takes precedence over the principle. death the death of myself, um, or principle, if you want to call it that. Um. Well, let's see. Notes, notes, notes. Uh, oh, yeah. Starbuck finds a lieutenant uh, or the XO who's just about to shoot up and, uh, you know, or self-medicating as uh, what we should call it because that's what Starbuck is doing. She's <laughs> self-medicating with booze, um, which uh, we're we're all totally okay with that happening. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, well, culturally speaking, no one's going to stop her walking down the hallway with an open can of Pabst Blue Ribbon. Uh, but uh, everyone's going to look, you know, sideways at the girl walking down with the needle hanging out of her arm <laughs> or neck. <laughs> yeah, or neck. Um, okay. Anyway, what's kind of nice 
is that Starbuck helps her here. Helps her realize, all right, fine. You know, we all make mistakes. I'm not going to say anything if you're not going to say anything. But it seems like that little bit that helps Kendra Shaw not take the injection. Because she's like, yeah, okay, right. I guess maybe I don't need this. Hmm. Interesting. And while, you know, I, I that's probably one of the nicest things <laughs> Kara Thrace has ever done. Um, you know, it still is, uh, you know, not terribly great because she's... Starbuck was still a jerk about the whole thing, but still, it it helped her, you know, Kendra Shaw be uh, make have the courage to make a better choice. I actually read that scene differently. Go ahead. Uh, I read I, I interpreted Kara putting the needle back as, well, thanks for ruining that too, Starbuck. I mean, it was just like she she couldn't even enjoy this escape that she had found for herself. Because now all she can do is compare herself to Starbuck as she's doing it. Yeah, I, okay. Um, I, I had a note here. I think this is all part of the same scene. Um, some people must be left behind, which is true. I I think we agree that there. You know, we can't always take everybody along. There yep. are some sacrifices that have to be make, uh, to be made. Um, and uh, I think Shaw talking about how you need to become a razor to survive, um, and then you can become human again. Be the implement, and maybe this is some of what Admiral Kane's philosophy. Yeah. You know, I, maybe there was a scene where it was Kane who was delivering this stuff. It is, yeah. She says she's saying, as soon as you become this, then you can survive long enough to to become yeah human again. Um, okay, so we have the the old school Cylons talking uh, again, which <laughs> by is your command, so cool. Um, and uh, let's see here, Lieutenant shoots her man and then gets shot. So they fast forward oh, yeah, through yeah, a bunch yeah. of stuff okay. happened. They, you know, the the plan is we're going to use the, the Pegasus as you know um, decoy decoy. Then we'll sh- jump this other raptor in, and uh, I guess part of that plan was to allow the raptor to get blown up. No, it was if the raptor is seen, we're not going to try and fight our way out of this. We're going to use the decoy, the the explosion of the raptor as a decoy mm-hmm. to mask the manual, you know, the, the manual boarding party. Right. Okay. All right. They, they actually Thanks. had they had some kind of. Yeah, I saw the Rigged. device. That was, they, that, was, that was great. I thought that was a great idea. I thought it seemed weird that they had even bothered to prepare something like that, but whatever. It just shows Works. the level of detail to which Shaw plans her missions. Shaw was a brilliant tactician. <laughs> uh, anyway, they get on board the ship. They get in there, and they they find the other crewmen, you know, the, the people who are aboard, and they can see the experimentation had been continuing on. And so they unhook everyone. They're making their way out. And one of their people falls down. And the Cylons reach him. And they're <laughs> taking him away. And they do <laughs> oh, what is, you know, the, the quintessential thing. Oh, I won't let the enemy get him. It's better that he die than that he ta- be taken captive and put through these terrible experimentations. Right. 
which I guess I could probably agree with. I'd, I'd probably be okay with getting shot. But she has no qualms. She puts it up, shoots the guy dead. She gets shot in turn. Um, and then Seems like she probably could have shot the guy dead from cover. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. It didn't seem the scene itself wasn't really shot that well. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it just seemed like um, real close-ups, and that's about it. We don't see you know perspective of, of any of the other stuff happening. Uh, better to not give us details when clearly we should be ignoring them. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the uh, um, a Lee is sensing because they're told, hey, you know we. We've got a problem, or maybe the the the, they start communications, the communications were jammed. Yeah. Lee says, "Hey, you know what? I've got one of these nukes. I could fire it." Well, they, before the communications got jammed, they had told them they were having a problem with the remote detonator. Had they gotten that? Okay, great. Um, they uh, Adama says to Lee, "No, that's a wrong decision. Do not fire this. This is wrong. Give the team a chance." Um, and so the detonator doesn't work. Uh, Lieutenant is going to end up being the one to blow it up. Lee gives the order, hey, make sure you carry out your your plan. And he was basically telling Starbuck, yeah. make sure you do this. Well, because uh, it makes sense because the lieutenant was injured, probably dying. You don't want to leave that person as the one who's the failsafe. You want to leave a person who's in full control of their faculties. Good point. Um, but uh, uh, Kendra Shaw has other ideas. She forces Kara to give her the weapon and get in the escape pod or whatever was going on there. It's like an well, elevator, they, they I guess? got back into their uh, their suits and they were going to another raptor was yeah. Sent out I, to I, I got them. that much. It's just like she was having them all get in this room or something, and I didn't quite get. Was that the airlock decompression was it an chamber? Elevator? I would imagine. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it seems where they wherever they came in from. Uh, okay, the hybrid Cylon <laughs> we meet acts like God, talks like God, but says he's not God. Correct. Talks about how he is this. Um, he has knowledge about certain things that it's like. How do you know yeah. some of this stuff? Uh, and he offers absolution. Yeah. And it's in this scene where we finally find out, okay, it was Shaw who fired the weapon and right. actually killed the people or started, started the, the, the firefight that you know ended up with the, the death of, I think it was 12 uh, other civilians. And so she's dealing with this and, um, you know, she she's done some bad stuff, but... Um, he is trying to tell her, you know, hey, don't worry. This, this has all happened before. This is all happened going to happen again. Uh, oh, by the way, Kara is the harbinger of death and will be the end of humanity. Yeah, he, he, the, I, the way I wrote the quote was, she, she yeah, is I, the herald of the apocalypse and the harbinger of death. <laughs> they must not follow her. Right. Okay. Thank you. Because I did not get that quote right. I was just basically saying, yeah, Kara's bad. 
she's going to be terrible for everyone. Well, that's not what he said, though. Right? He did say they must not follow her, but who knows what his motives are in this whole thing anyway. Right. But neither Herald of the Apocalypse nor Harbinger of Death particularly imply any guilt or culpability on Kara's part. Just that she indicates the event is going to happen. Sure. She's maybe the kickoff point of it all. Right. I suppose one could could argue that uh, Kendra Shaw was the kickoff point for what happened on the Scylla. You know, she shot that one woman in the head, but then that triggered all of the other Marines to then start firing as well. So maybe there could be, maybe there might not be. So that's a good point that you, that's because a good point I, you know, that you bring up. I, I I feel like, especially because of the comment that Brainy made, that people watching this might be going, "Oh, Joey's going to be so much more comfortable now with Kara because of this information <laughs> we're given." And all I could say was, "Yeah, that didn't help me at all. <laughs> Gave me nothing to work with. Thank you very much." Because. Right. You know, just because she's the inflection point doesn't mean anything one way or the other about what she is or is not or, you know, it it just it really doesn't tell us anything other than this guy whose motives are completely unknown to us. I certainly don't trust him just because he talks like God. He is afraid of what she brings, but she did bring a nuke onto his home and basically led to his death right sure yeah so yeah maybe that maybe he was talking specifically about that moment well i i I can certainly see even if you just look at what we know up to where we are in season four i think you could very easily say you know what kara thrace is a herald of the apocalypse she's the one who took the raptor on her own initiative back to Caprica mm-hmm. to get the arrow of Apollo, was it? Yes, it was the arrow of, arrow of Apollo. Which is what led them to the map back to Earth. So in that regard, Herald of Apocalypse is a perfectly fitting title for her. Could be. Harbinger of Death. Now, again, we have to take into account this is a Cylon talking. Kara Thrace has killed an awful lot of Cylons. So calling her the Harbinger of Death from a Cylon perspective makes perfect sense. In addition to that, the things that she has done where she has not been at her best has led to some pretty terrible things happening to humanity. And so in that regard, you can also say, yeah, you know, everything we know about Kareth Race today, without any further information, we, we could certainly call her a harbinger of death. Right. Now, the only piece that is at all telling is they must not follow her. Unfortunately, like I said, I just I don't trust this guy's motives. So I don't know if that means, yes, they should follow her or no, they really shouldn't. It's going to be dangerous for them. Yes, because we have no information. Now, keep in mind, this is right after um, season three. uh, Yes. Or, well, even maybe a little bit before that, because in season three, the Pegasus is gone. Okay. Right. Okay. And so, right. You know, th- there's saying. been a lot of stuff that has yes. happened yeah. um, for for us. So, just throwing that out there. Anyway, she tries to warn them, 
sends back a cryptic message before communications are yeah. shut off, which is, don't trust Kara Thrace, <laughs> which, I don't know, it seems like everyone's been saying that for quite a while yeah. now, so I don't know, what do you make of that if you're uh, uh, Lee Apollo or Admiral or, Adama? Right. Um, anyway, he makes the comment again, all this has happened before and will happen Happening again. again. Yeah. Um, and uh, Adama then talks to Lee, um, as they, you know, kind of share, you know, this moment about this stuff, like, you know, Hey, how, you know, how are we going to judge what Admiral Kane did? And Adama says, you know, I wasn't in her shoes. If it hadn't been for certain things, I could have easily ended up being Admiral Kane as well. I had the president in my face. And in the end, he ends up saying, you know, it was... You, Lee, that caused me to not make certain decisions because I knew I'd have to face you. And whether he meant as like a father to a son, he didn't want to disappoint uh, his son by making, you know, what could be a a ruthless decision. Um, Or he meant, you know, hey, his son is a goody two shoes (laughs) and he didn't want to have to explain himself. Like, eh, what do you mean? What do you want me to do? Um, Either way, he still didn't do that because he had surrounded himself with other people who could help provide that check and or balance uh, to to his, you know, essentially absolute power. Yeah. Um, so ship blows up. Um, all of these old school Cylons are now destroyed. Uh, if there are any more of them out there, it looked like the same ship that we saw um Adama on that planet yep. when it took off. So most likely this, this is it. This is it for whatever these group uh were. Uh so that is the episode. Um that brings us back uh we'll we'll jump back into the regular season four uh with the next podcast. Um was there anything else I, I may have skipped over for you? I do have uh the, the email. The, yeah there there was just uh I, I definitely rolled my eyes at the "So Say We All" chant. Uh, which so I think there was just the all. one at the "So at the, Say We All." Right oh yeah, yeah, after Kane's yeah. like, "Yeah, we're gonna go get revenge and payback." Yeah, yeah. but uh, uh, in sure. in her speech there, she she delivered this line that I thought, you know what, I'm I, I'm that's the kind of thing I may print up and put in my wallet kind of thing. I won't actually do that, but it's the kind of thing I would. Is this quote, when faced with untenable alternatives, you must face your imperative. Just this idea that, you know, when when there's no clear way to see what the right thing is to do, you have to go all the way down to what is my base motivation for everything and follow that until it leads you the way out of the maze. Not sure I could totally get behind that. Uh, but okay. Okay. Uh, Mark says, There is a lot to discuss in this episode. First off, my biggest pet peeve. Female military leaders should be referred to as ma'am, <laughs> not sir. I can't stand that Admiral Kane's crew addresses her as sir. Grumble, grumble. Although it's clear she's in a lesbian relationship, so maybe she plays the man in that relationship. <laughs> maybe and sir is perfectly to be correct. Sir. Uh, you know, I've actually 
uh, this is not the first time I've seen in Hollywood portrayal, oh, you know, a female officer being referred to as sir. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if that rule is consistent across all branches of the military, because I swear that I've heard before that in the army, everyone sir, whether male or female. I have no information one way or the other. Admiral Kane was in way over her head, though she did not know it. She planned a risky attack on a Cylon outpost. Her exo strongly disagreed, failed to obey orders, so she ordered him to produce his sidearm, and then she shot the exo with his own sidearm. She raped the civilian ships that found her battle star. Maybe this is because she felt betrayed by Gina. Or because her little sister was abducted when Helena was young. You have to feel bad for the way the new chief engineer was recruited into service. She ran roughshod over William Adama's command. Even though Adama made some serious mistakes, he never killed anyone for it. Never intentionally killed any civilians or unnecessarily risked any of his men, women, or resources. Kane was acting like everything is normal in this war. Lucky for Bill Adama, he had Lara to talk him out of getting into the fight and working on the more important task of safeguarding the last of humanity. Kane almost went to war against Galactica because they would not follow orders or allow executions and only stopped when the president of the colonies pointed out they needed to be fighting the Cylons. It also helped that Starbuck, another strong female character, succeeded in her recon mission against the Cylons. As in both series, finding the Pegasus was both good and bad. Ultimately, it was good, even with all the problems because Pegasus allowed Galactica, and most importantly, the fleet to continue on. No matter what happened, or what explanations we go for her character, it still doesn't make me feel any sympathy for her. When the odds were against her, she chose the dark side, and became a murdering tyrant. TV6, this would be hard for a newbie to follow, Sci-Fi 8, Western five. <laughs> well, I hope this message was long enough. Have a great week. Uh, Mark, it was great. Uh, perfectly worded email in every sense of the word. Um, thank you very much for taking the time to write that in. Um, ratings? Yeah. yeah, let's do ratings. Okay, Pete. Science fiction. Um, you know, I really enjoyed a number of sci-fi aspects to this uh, episode. You know, they had the big battles scenes. Uh, we got to see the old Chrome toasters yeah. and hear the super cool vote uh, voice, um, which, you know, maybe I, I should be giving a nostalgia point for all of this. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a seven. Could have been more, but, you know, uh, seven is, is, is where I draw the line. 
Uh, I agree with you. I, uh, another point that you didn't specifically mention that I think deserves a mention is the old man hybrid or the first hybrid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great. Yes. Uh, that was pretty cool. And just this idea that once they had achieved one of these hybrids, there was a branch of Cylondom that broke off to go protect him, and it became legendary. Uh-huh. In the course of 40 years, it was a myth already to the Cylons. Yeah, good point. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, did you give a, a rating? Seven. Seven? Okay. Um, I'm going to give for television a six. There's a few things I want to ding it on. Uh, I think uh, I already mentioned the, the you know two of the biggest for me, uh, the knife and then William Adama. <laughs> yep, he's got to be everywhere. Um, that was silly to me. There were a lot of other really cool aspects to it, which helped to not make it as bad. Um, I love the ending. I, I love that hybrid. Uh, that guy, the the filming on him was especially good, yeah. I thought. Uh, an, enough level of creepy and mysterious uh, to keep the mystery alive rather than, you know, just a shot panned out with, you know, a frail old man in this... You know, pit of goo yeah um you know they had tight shots on his face as you know this old man with you know maybe his teeth weren't all there talking uh really really cool so uh, six you know i i gave it a five uh i'm trying to remember it seems like there's something while you were talking that i i wanted to mention but I, i lost what it was now i i just feel like it could have been a little bit better oh i remember what it was now it was uh there's like multiple layers of flashback going on. Yeah. And I, I consider the flashback to be, it's a useful technique when you're writing, but it gets overused a lot. And to use it multiple layers deep in a given episode, I thought that was poor writing. It's clear that the an episode like this is written for people who have already been engaged with this story. Because otherwise... You are going to be lost <laughs> yeah. as to what in the world is going on. And I don't just mean because, you know, we're, we're going back so much time. I mean, it's like it is going back and forth all over itself throughout the entire episode. And that can be frustrating. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening.